favourite uh, Wilson exercises, which we might do very, very, very briefly, mm. um, was uh, the sort of how did I get to where I am asking this question now and going uh, backwards yeah. through time as far as you can remember. There's an exercise I learned from Alistair Crowley who learned it from a Buddhist monk in Ceylon. It's a simulation of enlightenment. Yeah, you sit down and as long as you can and think of as many aspects of the answer to the question, why am I sitting here doing this exercise? Well, I'm sitting here doing this exercise because I read about it in a book by Alistair Crowley, and he heard about it from a Buddhist monk in Ceylon. But why, why did I read a book by Alistair Crowley? Well, because Alan Watts recommended a biography of Crowley. And you go on adding reasons, and after a while you come up with things like, I'm sitting here doing this exercise because the Scandinavians overfished the North Sea in the 5th century, <laughs> and they, they, they couldn't make their living as fishermen anymore, so they turned to piracy. And that's why my grandmother's name was O'Loughlin, which means son of the Dane in Gaelic. And then, of course, you ultimately you come to because the sun is the kind of star that has planets, and this is the one planet that we know of in this solar system that can support this kind of life. If you try that exercise, you should do it at least three times in a, in a month to find out the infinite number of factors and coincidences and synchronicities and accidents and utterly inexplicable connections you can find that explain why you're sitting here doing that exercise. So, John, say, from the point, from, from first being at the horse hospital, in about a minute, how far back can you get <laughs> through the steps leading up to the horse hospital? From the horse hospital? Mm. Uh, okay, well, I was at the horse hospital with you because I was asked by Scott. How did Scott get in touch with me? Well, Scott asked me because of the KLF book. Um, I don't know how he got hold of it or anything like that. You want me to keep going back? Um, the KLF book, uh, he got it because it was a paperback, because it was, it was put out by Orion, um, because after I'd originally written it as a um, just an e-book, I put it out and... Uh, I think it was when Ben Goldacre started going on Twitter going, this is a great book, that's when things sort of changed and I got a, a really good agent and then I got, I got book deals and things like that. So that all happened because I um, wrote this uh, book about this the money burning. Um, why did I write the book about the money burning? It was, God, it, was, it, was, it was a way to write about Robert Anton Wilson. That was a, that was a major part of it. Um, I, but it just needed a sort of a dramatic sort of, you know, I need someone to burn a million pounds. Really. <laughs> uh, I wanted to do that because at that time I met Robert Anton Wilson in, I think, 2004, December 2004, after he just got a video message from your dad, which he was delighted by. Um, at, his, at his place in, in America and I was there because I was writing a biography of Timothy Leary and I was writing a biography of Timothy Leary because um, of Brian Barrett who was, was a friend of mine who died a few years ago who, who was very close to Leary and he, he kept telling me all these stories I knew about Leary because uh, Flint and Short put me in touch uh, with Brian sorry um, so this is going back how far have I gone you know, <laughs> this is a good this is I got, good I, know, I knew uh, Flint and Chalk because he wrote a letter to um, This Morning with Richard and Judy um, 
she noticed that Richard looked a bit weird and was into <laughs> things that were a bit weird. So he, he I, th- I think his, his girlfriend at the time, Vicky, had said, you should get in touch with Richard Maidley because uh, he's into a bit weird and you're, and you're into a bit weird. So he wrote to Richard <laughs> Maidley uh, saying, um, I've been um, doing this... Uh, he was helping Julian Cope do the modern antiquarian book and driving around and taking photos at the time um, about stone circles. So he wrote this letter to, and um, that landed on the desk of Joanne, uh, who was a producer at This Morning at the time. And she looked at it and thought, oh, he sounds like one of John's, so I'll give it to John. <laughs> so I, then I got into So that's how I knew Flint, that's how I knew Brian, that's how I knew about Leary, how I met Robert Anton Wilson, that's how I met about KLF, which is how I met. Um, yeah, I could go. I could keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, good. That's very good. Daisy. Oh blimey! From the from the horse hospital point. Gosh. So I was at the horse hospital purely because I'd been invited by John, and I met with John because my mum had said, um, "You've got to." I've just had this guy around getting photos of me as Aries, who's written a whole book that involves your dad and Illuminatus and a load of other interesting stuff. And I told him that you're adapting Cosmic Trigger, so you guys have got to meet. So that's why I was at the horse hospital, because of our meeting. And I think by then we'd also done the read-through of the play. No, I hadn't finished it by then. You hadn't finished it. I hadn't finished it by then, so we hadn't. So I hadn't even yet finished the, the play. Um, I think you'd finished a draft. I did the read-through. I must have done the read-through of the draft before the horse hospital. It's, this is the worst exercise for me because this is like yeah. when people say, when the bank people say, and what was the last transaction you made? And I'm like, crap. You know, what, the last what artistic date? transaction you Yes, made? exactly. It's just like, it all just becomes a big mush of the past. I think the read-through was the second draft. That's my memory of it. Well, Nick was there at the read-through. You help us. Was that before the hospi- horse hospital? Oh, that was. It was, because yeah, yeah. Lisa Lovebucket shouted out, it was really good, you fucking idiot. When I, when I said something self-deprecating about it. <laughs> I remember that heckle. I remember that heckle. So, um, so in fact, you, we'd already had the read-through, and we were doing the read-through because I have such a problem with procrastination that I'd said to myself, this play will only even get to first draft stage if I now invite kind of everyone I know <laughs> to a read-through of it, even though it's not written. That's right. And I'd set it for my birthday because... So there you go, now I know mm. what the date was of the read-through. It was my birthday because I thought no one can be really mean to me about it <laughs> if I set the read-through <laughs> on my birthday. So that's why I was on my birthday. And so then... Prior to that, I'd been floundering around. And then it goes back to the reason that I'd got underway with Cosmic Trigger was because people get, kept getting in touch with me and asking if I'd do Illuminatus, and I didn't want to. And then this this light bulb went in my head that I could do a kind of sequel and that would make sense if it was Cosmic Trigger. And the reason I was ready to take on such a big some kind of big project was because my dad's mate Irving had turned up to my dad's graveside death day gathering on the fifth anniversary of his death in Epping Forest with a ventriloquial duck on his hand and the duck had said, apparently this was completely unplanned, the duck had said, 
I'm like, what are you going to do then this year, Daisy? Are you going to do anything interesting? In my dad's voice, like, it was really, the whole thing was really weird. And I'd kind of felt quite like, kind of fuck off with the duck at my dad's graveside, <laughs> trying to challenge me to do something. <laughs> do you know all the stuff with Bill Drummond and the duck? And there come the bunny men and... And well, only Liverpool. from your book, but you'll have to remind me already. I think book. we. St- I seem to. No, maybe not. It's from the rail where you are now. Well, speak. Well, that's all right. I've kind I of got I, back I, as I, far I, as I, I can get. I think. My conjecture is you can't derail this exercise. You can just take another branch. <laughs> yes, yes. You go. Yes, exactly. There was around uh, in the Liverpool uh, scene, particularly Echo and the Bunnymen. There was this idea of a, a sort of, a, I suppose. Uh, a post-Escordian religion would be a good way of describing it, but it was all—it was all focused on the duck. Never knew what to do because it was in the court of the duck. And um, when uh, it was some members of Echo and the Bunny, I, mean, I can't remember which ones, they formed a band called the Sex Gods, and they stole credit cards um, from—I think they're all the all the. The company or the credit, the uh, record company credit cards, and they went off on this mad road trip round round America, uh, with these these credit cards, trying to make an album. But it was just everything was led by the duck. Everything was was in accordance <laughs> with what the, what the duck wanted. And, um, and what was the in duck? The end, was it an actual thing? And Julian Cope and his his brother were were, were in the middle of England. Getting phone calls about this this saga of this, this band that's all going around America and these these great cars and you know recording in studios and they go oh it's it's Echo and the Bunny Men and of course that's fine and they get them in and they, but they had no money or anything like that and uh, I was told recently that the at the end Bill Drummond was sent over um, from WEA I think with a suitcase full of cash to pay off the the uh, if I ever meet Bill Drummond, I really need to get this side of the story from him. Oh, but it was definitely Bill Drummond with a suitcase full of cash to sort out the sort, sort of out what the duck had caused done. by this band living but, by following the duck. But what do you mean by following the duck? Just sign any any signs yeah, pertaining to ducks. Any any sign that they could attribute to the duck um, <laughs> is what they would follow. You know, there's the signs that you follow come in strange way. It's sort, in, in, in an odd way, it sort of makes sense to me. Oh no, it, it makes complete sense. A, a no, it makes complete sense. It's, yeah, but it's, it's another movie. twenty-three, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, choose it's a way of yeah. exactly. Yeah. You choose any random thing or or, or, or Bob's Puka. You know, yeah, I, d- I don't think they've actually seen. You know, there weren't any ducks involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that they'd see a picture of a duck and go, oh, there? Ah, there you go. It was. I don't know. No, but any duck related anything would have been a sign. Duck related cult. That everyone outside of it was quite baffled by it. Julian Cope's written about it. Bill Drummond's written about it. Um, the duck, yeah. But I want to know what the duck was in their minds. Then, was there any? Were there any duck signs at all? I'm not aware. There must have been. It must have started from some weird trip involving a duck. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's... I, in, the way I understand it was the duck was the excuse. Okay. For doing what they intuitively thought they were doing, that was in accord with the duck. That's my understanding okay. of it. Right. Uh, again, again, it would be a question for Bill Drummond. I think. He would, he would know he if would I'm know. talking rubbish or not. Oh, I'll have to. The yeah, physical was, manifestations yeah. of the duck. Um, oh, we need to bring the duck back. So the fact that it was a duck. The fact that it was a duck. Yeah. Well, Irving was was. I think he was at the festival. He, he brought in that a, duck to the festival. He brought the duck to the festival. And he was the quack doctor. Okay. 
And anyone who wanted to could go and seek out the quack duck doctor and the duck would tell you what it is you're meant to be doing with your life. Oh, excellent. But I don't know if anyone sorted out. It does sound a very similar duck to the one that was, was advising the sex gods back in the day. Well, that is, that's wonderful. That's a whole added layer that I wasn't aware of. Um, so there you go. So there's Irving at my dad's graveside ventriloquially with bad ventriloquially channeling my father <laughs> challenging me to do something interesting um and uh, and hence and there we go so that's that's gets us that far back at any rate because you were there at the horse hospital filming that thing mm. and you, you put it on youtube mm. and then in northampton uh, alistair fruish who none of us knew at this point was thinking about uh, putting Robert Anton Wilson in a book he was writing. So mm. he Googled Robert Anton Wilson, found this thing and listened to me talk about him and thought, who's this guy? Googled me, saw I'd written a book called First Church on the Moon, which is set on the Steve Moore moon base. He's a friend of Steve Moore. Steve Moore wrote this book, Somnian, which is all about you know the, the, the moon goddess. And, and uh, Steve Moore just loved the, was in love with the moon, hence I called it the Steve Moore moon base. He thought that was hilarious. Right. So he got this book and he gave it to Steve Moore. So Steve Moore got, gets in touch with me uh, to thank me, sort of thing. And, uh, and so I start emailing Steve Moore. We get this big, long, um, uh, entirely written relationship building over these months leading up to where I was supposed to go and visit him. But with, at the same time, these increasing mentions of his health sort of creeping in, mm. these, these, these first mentions of chest pains and trips to the hospital and things like that. So that he died just before um, I was going to spend the day on up him and, and so that yeah that was that was uh yeah that was a hard one actually so the, the week i was supposed to go up to go around shooter's hill with steve moore i went to help alan and alistair sort of go through his house actually mm. died in, in, in that mm. week that was a weird thing but um, but you did meet him when we first we, went we to see him, Alan it, Morgan. we yeah. weren't ex- and you weren't expecting and him to be there he's sort of just he came there, there as, as, as to complete the law of fives, he he came yeah. up especially. Yeah. So yeah, so we had that. So that was brilliant. Yeah. So, but that was what brought in Alan Moore to yeah. to all this. So the fact yeah. that you filmed me and put that on YouTube mm. sort of then feeds into you know having Alan Moore and this. Giant I didn't know that's how head. that the whole that's, that's, that's how that's connect, that connection had come around. That also fascinates me is that the um, what Bob called the jumping Jesus phenomenon or the the increasing. Uh, evolution of evolution itself Mm. um, a sort of an asymptotic curve of connections that's going on through time sort of I would imagine that the speed of synchronicities back in the age of paper um, may have been a lot lower and a lot slower Yes. whereas now there's this sort of the lubricant of the internet yeah. where you can log on and be in contact with someone within minutes from mm. having seen a, a, a video. Yeah. So this is, again, this ties back into this idea of all of these sort of streams, all of these voices, all of these, um, uh, uh, all of these loops of connections mm. um, and, and how people will find their way in. And if they find their way in, where is it we're going? Well, exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, and what's it all for? And actually, you know, and that's been, it's been sort of uppermost in my mind because there was such a sense when, when, when the kind of point, you know, when the singularity is ahead of you and you're heading towards it and you know it's all kind of going in that direction and there's this moment when, when it's going to happen. Um, 
you kind of know what the magic's for. You get that real sense mm. of it. After it's happened, it's like, you know, it was, it was magic. There's no doubt about it. The, something happened, you know, certainly to me personally, and lots of other people seem to report the same thing. So, so I know it kind of did something, but I don't know what for, but I think what it is, it's a, it's, it is the connections. It is the fact of finding the others, but it's that such an ephemeral thing and one that <clears throat> becomes easy to take for granted. You know, it becomes easy to kind of go, yeah, well, I know all those people now. That's just, you know, but how extraordinary that, mm. you know, and you need those kind of things for those meetings to take on a kind of meaning beyond just sort of bumping it's into people. possible to plan things because it's pure fractal chaos. Yes. You just have to start. Yes. You just have to start and then the things that date, feed into the end. Come it's into. the future date point and it takes such balls to do, you know, the thought now of saying, of inviting people to a read-through of a play I haven't written. Yeah. <laughs> Fills me with like vomitous fear, you know. <laughs> it's just like, but there comes moments, you know, when ducks challenge you at gravesides, yeah. and these kind of things occur that you just, you know, you have to do something drastic, and it's something about that stake in the in the ground that says that's where we're going, guys. We're not going to let anything stand in our way. It's something very powerful. I think. What I take about from it all is it's evidence that these things happen. You know, yes. these very, very special things yes. can occur. You know, there's yes. no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. They're self-evidently worthwhile and great, mm. you know. Mm. And also, t- once you've been through that, you learn to trust those little impulses that, oh, hang on, over there's the interest. Something's happening. I should be moving that direction. I have no idea what, mm. but mm. moving that way because, you know, something's going to Because the doc told there. you. As, as as metaphors go, it's as good as as good as any other. Because um, if it's happened once, it can sort of happen yeah, again. Yeah. And if you start to notice that the strange pre wake gets sort of choppy and odd, then, mm. then you sort of you know don't don't resist that. Then um, that's very valuable. Very yes. valuable. Indeed. Yes, yes, yes. What's the rubric of detecting the wake ahead of you? How do you how do you discern? Oh, the... detecting it's fine. It's mm. just it's just not allowing your rational mind to go, well, don't be stupid. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, and just, just yes. going with it. Um, Bill Drummond's the expert at that, you know. Bill, a lot of Bill Drummond's writing is about just, just shutting down the, mm. uh, uh, the, uh, the voice saying, don't be stupid, you know. All, all this stuff about accept the contradictions, you know, just let something grow without sort of rationally just sort of um, destroying it with criticism and, and, mm. and mm. logic. That's and, right. Um, My dad used to call it the gatekeeper. Uh-huh. Yeah, you gotta, you just gotta get rid of that gatekeeper. Yeah. Level, you know, where would one find a list uh, or a toolkit to uh, a shut down that annoying rational part of the mind that gets in the way of the magic, and b detect the choppy waters of the wake? Well, I think reading Cosmic Trigger is a really, really good place to start, actually. And you know, and and a lot of the people who were gathered gathered simply and straightforwardly because that book changed their life. Um, at some time or another and I mean Douglas Rushkoff I think himself called it the best manual on you know traversing these kind of waters there is really so I would uh, yeah Yeah, I would say that's where you go I'd also throw in uh, Bill Drummond's 45 yes I'd throw in uh, Disease of Language or any Alan Moore really but uh, wherever you want to start with Alan Moore uh, that would that would definitely be the, the place to start those books. 